it's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who win. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OH! The OHIO Podcast, everybody. I am your host, Buckeye Bob. That man over there is the wild man, Chris Wilds. Chris just had a little bit of a sugar drop right before we started. He pounded some mashed potatoes, and that's the perfect meal because we're talking about offensive linemen today, Chris. This oh, is going to be better with pancakes, man. There you go. I had that for breakfast, right? Pancakes. We got all kinds of people in the house tonight, man. We've got Paul Buckeye back with us. Been a while, Paul. Good to see you tonight. Uh, Larry Daniels from Central Sunny Florida. Good to have Larry with us in tonight. Matthew Butcher. He says, good morning. It's Monday morning for him already there in Australia. And he's from NSW Australia. Is that north southwest? I have no idea what that means. You have to tell me what that is. He says it's nice football weather there, cold and wet in Australia. By the way, he sent me a picture of him wearing our awesome T-shirt, um, oh, and he had had this awesome grill apron. It was really cool. Uh, yeah, ninety days, boys. Ninety days from today, Ohio State gets to invade Bloomington, Indiana. I've been there. Not a whole lot going on there. Oh, I get it. Matt said it's North it's Southwest. North South Wales. There you go, man. I'm telling you, I, I we're uncultured swine, Matt. What can we say? We are. We are. Hey, we're gonna do things just a little bit different again today because I see Steve is in the house already. We're gonna bring him on in just a second, and. Uh, We'll just do the interview right off the bat, Chris. How does that sound? Does it sound good Works to you? Works for me. Works awesome. For me. So here's how this is going to work, guys. We want you to go ahead and we want you to uh, post your questions in the comments for Steve Raring. He was a former Buckeye uh, offensive lineman in, in the uh, 2000s. And I'm excited because this is all about offensive linemen today. And yeah. I think we brought a pretty good one onto the show. So give me one second and let's see if we can't bring him in. Steve, can you hear us? I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, Steve. Welcome to the OHIO podcast, my friend. Glad to be here. 
All right, man. Hey, this is this is awesome because it's been a while since. Well, I think the last offensive lineman we had might have been our first guest, Chris. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but I think, Mike was the last one we had. I think Mike Wargo was our last uh, was the last offensive lineman we talked to. So, man, I'm telling you, I'm a little worried this season, Steve, about this offensive line. I've been telling everybody, especially when you compare with what's what what they've got and that stayed up north with all the experience. But maybe you can kind of put my mind at ease here because you you went through this before the summer workouts. Uh, the two a days back then. What is this offensive line line getting ready for? What are they doing right now that springs over in summers here? Well, summer sucks. So you guys see the realization <laughs> of it. Uh, to be honest with you, strength pulling's over. It's uh, big guy's worst nightmare. It's straight conditioning right now. So it's uh, weightlifting is hard, and the after weightlifting is uh, not what a three hundred pound bus guy likes to do. Uh, so we do a lot of that in the summer get after it and get conditioned. I know when I was there, Coach Trussell's conditioning test was legit. Uh, most guys would have heart attacks trying to run that thing. Oh, my. And I think some of us close when we did it. So summer is just about, like, more getting in with the team, building with your relationships with your guys. You're basically only ones on campus right now. So all you got to do is hang out with your friends. So yeah. Much. And then yeah. Uh, offense line-wise, you know, it's hanging out with those five guys you're going to be playing with, building trust. Because I think that's the biggest thing with offense line. Yeah. One great guy. And it's a little old adage and uh, weakest link of the chain, you know. So if you have one guy that's weak, he's going to pull the rest of you guys down. You guys got to work together and build that cohesion between five guys. I think the key is finding the five guys early in camp and then building it from there. Then obviously yeah. the guy you play next to, that's a tight end and a set guard or, or tackle in a center, really building that trust with those guys. Yeah, we're going to talk – I want to get dive into that because, you know, I, I've spoke to a lot of offensive linemen and they talk about how important chemistry is, you know, on that line. And I want to dive into that. But before that, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and how you ended up being a Buckeye? Shoot. It's, uh, so I'm originally from Chicago. Uh, parents got transferred to Cincinnati, uh, Lakota West, Westchester. And a uh, crazy story, my – basically neighbor we share a driveway with each other was ryan hamby so oh. he was a couple years before me a good friend of mine and uh we basically lived together same neighborhood hung out together for eight nine years and he came up and i just followed his footpath wasn't a college football fan really growing up growing up in the big city chicago so uh ryan told me how great ohio state was and a couple minutes with coach trussell my mom is pretty much done so <laughs> I don't know that man has some special special recruiting ability and ain't toward the players either. Uh, it was straight toward the parents. And uh, my parents felt most comfortable there. Then, you know, when your parents feel comfortable, you feel comfortable. So yeah, I ended up at Ohio State and fell in love with it. The first game I went to was my uh, junior year of high school. I get just Washington State against uh, Philip Rivers. And that was a really good game and fell in love with Ohio State right after that. That's, that's awesome, man. So, so I'm in. Now I'm doing really cool shit, though. I got to give my plug out there with what I'm Do doing Do it, now. man. Let's hear it. Uh, so I uh, I work for Abbott uh, Labs. Not the one. It's the same Abbott Labs that's here in Columbus. I live in Columbus, uh, but I work out of a branch out of Austin, Texas. And I do a thing called deep brain stimulation. Uh, so it's a medical device for Parkinson's and central tremors patients. It's elective brain surgery that really can help uh, patients uh, 
change their quality of life. And so if you know anybody or do have Parkinson's or central tremor and want to reach out, feel free, talk them through the process and see if they're be a good candidate and we'll get them to the right doc that can help them out. And basically I'll be with you. You're stuck with me then. So I'm with you during surgery, then post-surgery uh, for as long as you have the device. So it's really cool stuff. Super busy, but this is cool. I got to do this kind of thing. That is cool, dude. I didn't even yeah. know something like that. Something like that existed, man. That's 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 incredibly. Gosh, that's inspiring, man. That's really cool. So, no, I'm glad that, you shared that. Yeah, get patients with a central tremor that can't even put a pen and paper or can't sign their name, and now they can sign their name freely. Right, do the things they like to do. Simple things like drinking a cup of coffee. They had to drink it out of a straw, and now they can drink it out of a normal cup. So it's really cool stuff. Oh, that's awesome, dude. That's awesome. Hey, um, so. So Jim Tressel comes and recruits your mom, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Tell me, yeah, tell me about your relationship with Coach Tress. Anybody who watches this show knows that I have a deep appreciation of that man, and I've read his his the winner's manual multiple times. Uh, my dream is one day interview the guy. That's like my ultimate dream. But give me a Coach Tress story, and and do you still stay in contact with the man? Not as much as, uh, you know, you would think, but I probably talked to him maybe once a year. I, I ran into a couple of different charity events and that stuff. And the craziest thing about that, man, he meets you once. He met you for life. Like, he knows my mom and dad's names still. You know what I mean? My mom saw him in Ada, Ohio, a couple of years after I'd done playing, doing a charity uh, walk with my brother where he went to school, Ohio Northern. Coach Tress was there and came up and said, hey, Eileen, how are you? not in the same environment that, you know, you would think he'd know your name. And as little as time you spent with him, you felt like you spent a ton of time with him. Uh, being your head coach, you know, you spend most of your time with your assistant coaches. Uh, but he fully ingrained into your life. He knew things that were going on. And he's a great human being. I mean, I was in the hospital in my uh, second year in college, had a medical red shirt, and I think he showed up every night to be with my mom while I was in the hospital doing some crazy stuff. And, you know, it's game week, so he didn't have to be there. But he made a point to show up and be present. So that was always huge in my life with that's, him. He genuinely cared about his people. That's so awesome, man. Office, but he definitely cared about you and wanted you to graduate, wanted you to be successful. So it's uh, unfortunate the way he had to go out. But, you know, I think he's in a better place now mentally and happy and living retirement life. So he's doing good. You know, that you're the second Buckeye in a row who we've interviewed that has said that exact thing that once he meets you one time, he knows you for life and he'll remember things and people and families and, and, and your family members' names and things. That's that's pretty awesome. So you get to Ohio State, man. Uh, you get developed. And, and let's talk about that because I think out of any position except for maybe tight end, which is obviously very closely related to the offensive line just by proximity there's not another position in football i believe that takes the amount of development at the college level as the offensive line speak to that a little bit and what it was like for you when you came in as a freshman to how you got uh become an upperclassman and then got on the field so i had a i was one of those early guys before it was very popular coming in after my uh in january of my senior year so not many guys did that back then. I think just a few guys here and there were doing it. I think I was one of three guys in our class that did it that year. 
uh i just remember the first day in pads it's like you know you're in high school you get be lazy on certain things and go about your thing and still dominate the game and you, all of a sudden you go against a guy you know like a simon frazier or, or mike kula uh those kind of guys that are bench pressing the same simon was a senior and it's like holy crap this guy's this big and this fast I never seen some of his hands get on me that quick and be that powerful. You know what I mean? Something like that in high school was a little tiny guy. You're like, okay, you hit me. Watch this. And these guys are like, oh my. So I had a unique experience that first 15 days of practice in spring ball. We're like, holy crap. I don't know if I could play at this level. And then you, your body develops, you get used to the speed and you, and you're like, okay, I can got this. And it takes time. It's, it's a lot of discouragement as a young offensive lineman, to be honest with you, because you're so used to dominate at the high school level and you get there, you're like, you're just trying to survive some days, especially early, because uh, you get put up against these guys. They're, they're no longer kids. They're men, 22-year-old, you know, bench press in the houses and been doing this for four or five years, and you're like, holy crap. But then you get used to it. You use different techniques, way different techniques than you used in high school, because uh, if you use those techniques now in college, there's no chance. Uh, so you, you learn different things. They're, learn. I had a guy, Rob Sims, long NFL career, kind of, show me some unique things to do techniques after practice uh those kind of things help really help me out and then i was blessed to play with like a guy like nick mangold who was the most insane uh knee bender you ever seen in your life i mean the guy could play three four inches off the ground and still have power which was incredible so watching those guys play those older guys play really taught me how to play the game and taught me how to do it at a higher level so you got hopefully you got some good older guys that can develop you and take you under the wing and really really cherish those moments and learn from them uh, because I think the guys that are a little stubborn or want to do it their way, they really get set back in their development. So it's just basically like break it all down and relearn the position uh, mm. to a certain point. So it's, you know, it's a lot different blocking a 330-pound defense tackle than a 220-pound defense tackle in high school, you know what I mean? So right. it's different ball game, and the speed is the biggest difference the speed of the game and how fast things happen and and how many different things can happen inside one play. Uh, I don't think general fan realizes, yeah, the play's called, but there could be five to six different ways to block that based on the defensive front you're getting or if you're getting a blitz or what coverage you're in. And people don't realize offensive linemen are actually looking at coverages. So just trying to guess what's going to happen on that play, and then we all try to five, work in that same, same way. So there's a physical aspect, then there's a mental aspect, okay, right before the snap of the whistle, the center can change the, the call and you have to be able to go on it like that. I think that's the biggest difference between like that early development to as you get older, you already know what's going to happen. So you're already ready for it. When, when you're young, you're just like, oh shit, he changed it. What I got to do now? Okay, you got to think really fast. And so it can get you caught up a little bit. So that's where like the cohesion between the five that you play with is huge. And nonverbal cues because you're in like a Penn State environment right. or something like that you can't hear shit uh yeah you're literally using hand, sign language at the line of scrimmage yeah. so yeah hand development though right. is huge. If I can, these kids are crazy though it's coming in now they look different than when we were there bodies are developed differently biggest things nutrition uh we were lucky to get a bagel when i was playing i think these guys are getting steaks and lobsters <laughs> i was up there at spring ball i was like this is cafeteria is insane so we're just basically bringing Chipotle in from uh, the, you know, because that's all we could afford back then. Right. right before practice, you know, and these guys are getting full-blown meals with chefs now. It's crazy. 
Yeah, it's a different, it's a di- totally different world. Larry Daniels says, "Welcome to the show, Steve. Do you have a favorite game memory uh, you could share?" Yeah, so I think I mean it's pretty simple. In my career, uh, any Michigan game was huge. Uh, we're that class that started the trend, the Trestle trend with uh, not losing. So, '04 was cool. It was my first Michigan game. Uh, special cherished moment of that one in my heart. Uh, '06, obviously one versus two, which if you take away some turnovers, we beat them by like 21 or 28 easily. Uh, Cause I thought we dominated the run game the whole game. And uh, let's see, I think there's a Penn state game we played in Halloween and maybe Oh seven that we blew them out pretty good. That was a pretty cool game. Cause that quite, crowd was crazy in the first quarter and it was pretty silent by the end of it. <laughs> so it's pretty cool to see that, but you know, it's been 15, I see almost 20 years now since I started. So it's been a, it's crazy. It's been that long. 20 years, but you can, you still got a good series in you, don't you? I got about two plays. <laughs> two plays, huh? Two plays. You better have some water. <laughs> Chris, well, you got, well, you I got, what, I got my energy saw... chasing a three and five year round, but I don't got that energy to lift, push big guys around no more. We saw Archie get out there. Maybe we can get him in for one more next spring game, you know? I'm about the same speed. <laughs> Chris, you got a question, buddy? Uh, yeah. Steve, I was just wondering, what do you think of and what you've seen so far this year out of the current offensive line? I think it's a group that's very talented across the board as five individuals. I've been a couple practices, you know, that normal fans can't get into. They're individually good players uh, pretty much across the board. It's maybe a couple of the guys are a little younger than you probably want them to start playing. Uh, but I think the talent's there. Uh, the three interior guys were impressive. Uh, I I watched left tackle a little bit. He looked decent. The right tackle was flipping between a kid from my high school. I'm terrible with names, by the way. I am in the hospital all day, every day, so I don't get much of the names. But uh, – I think it's Tegra or something like that. Teg- yeah, Tegra Shibola. Yeah, he's from my high school. Well, he he looked pretty good the day he was in there. Obviously, you're going against a guy like JT and those guys, so they're going to embarrass you in practice. Let's not get it. Let's not get it wrong. They know the snap counts and they know the plays, but he held his own. Uh, they all look good as individuals. Now it's hey, how can fast can you play? You know what I mean? Right. Individual drills, you look good. You know, the little scrimmages look good, but how fast can you play and how fast can you process what's going on? Talent's there, in my opinion. And I think the tight end's pretty good, too. As a, you know, traditional tight end, he can help out with that group, too, getting the extra six guy in there because they don't play – they play a little different football than we played. They don't have things called fullbacks anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, well, you know, you know and as you, you touched on the fullback, that was kind of a – a different era of football, I guess, a little bit. But speaking to that, you know, when you played, I think there was much more of – and correct me if I'm wrong. I think there was more of a physicality to it to where now there might be a little more finesse to it. And yeah. do you think that that has really – I mean, obviously we've seen that when we've played that team up north the last couple of years. They are the, have definitely, I think, been a more physical group. Do you think that – we have the players in place who can take that step and become, you know, still keep the finesse, but become that more physical, aggressive, 
line. I think it's also the style of run game they're running. I personally would like to see some gap scheme just because that's what the bread and butter when we played and gap defeats all, all different defenses yeah. you can run at them. Um, now is the gap scheme going to get you the big plays as often as the stretch zone or inside zone? Probably not. But when it comes to fourth and one, it's going to get you it. Um, and then you have to have somebody reliable, a fullback. If you're going to right. run gap or a big ass tight end, that's willing to stick his head in there and get concussed. That's well, I think we've got that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a willing to, you know, we had like Tyler Whaley, who was a walk on yes. center who ended up on scholarship. The kid just wanted to run through a wall from down to Southern Ohio. We need some of those guys. Those Ironton boys, they're crazy. I mean, <laughs> hit a brick wall with your head. Okay, cool. Let's do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> or I think it was Deontay Johnson, Pepper Johnson's son. He was there. Yeah. That dude also big ass head would put it put it right in your chest, and if he got concussed, he got concussed. Not that I'm saying people got concussed, but when it gets nitty gritty in fourth and one and third and two, I hate when they line up in four wide and it's third and two. It's like, can we just run the damn ball? Well, and I think that running the uh, the ball right now would probably take a little bit of pressure off that first time starter we're going to have in there as well. So, yeah, and it's offensive line personally, I mean. Let's be honest. We want to go forward as an offensive right. lineman. Yeah, going backwards and letting a guy come at you all game is taking a physical toll on you. Compared to if you go forward, it's taking a physical toll on them. So little things. I think, uh, you know, I think some of the things that's going to change over there, new offensive line coach, and I think Heartline's roots, hopefully he uh, calls Tress and learns of the day play. <laughs> I'm liking what I'm hearing, Chris. I, I, yeah. I knew having an offensive lineman back on this show would ground us again, you know. Um, here's a couple questions from some of our listeners, Steve. I want to make sure we get these in here uh, in this interview. Paul Buckeye says, what is your favorite win in your career? Oh, six mission game for sure. Yeah. I just wish we would cap that off with another win. Right. Later, but those yeah. six mission game, I mean – it's cool now. I got a five-year-old. We're on Big Ten Network still, so that's really cool. You know, the instant classic, or now it's a classic, not instant classic anymore. <laughs> right. Uh, it's a classic. Uh, it's my my kid goes, uh, why is the definition so bad? Of the TV. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm back in the day, buddy. Uh, but no, that game was pretty awesome. Uh, let's see. There was a Wisconsin game, maybe 07, that we were down like 21 and came back and won it. And Beanie had like 220 in rushing. We literally came back by running the ball. And I think Beanie ended up with four touchdowns and just right down their throat. And they didn't know what hit them. We came back, I think, won it by 14. We were down 21 sometime in that game. So that was a cool game. And Wisconsin was always a unique rivalry when I played. Yeah, that was uh, big time you know, for Trestle. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they uh, like to run their mouths a lot too over there. So when we were there, so it was always fun to beat them. It's all that cheese and beer, I think, for Wisconsin. Big boys up there too. <laughs> they got some big boys. That's right. That's right. So, so I think this every is time I was there was my height, my size. Even their center was like six eight. Christmas. Uh, so the follow up question to that, since you brought up the 06, what's your feelings on Urban Meyer? <laughs> Hell of a football coach. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I don't know. Him per- I don't know. I personally know. I don't know him personally. And honestly, when he was at Ohio State, 
uh, we weren't around the program very much as former players, to be honest. Right, right. Uh, well. Coach Day has opened up that program, and he's very similar with Tress. As long as you give him notice, you have an open invitation to be there. Just no cell phones. Interesting. Uh, so, and he multiple days, you know, in the fall and the spring that they invite us. They do some barbecues and that kind of stuff. And to be honest with you, it feels a lot more like I thought it was going to feel when I played for Tress. You know, it was like open comeback. I brought my five-year-old back this year. Yeah, it was, it was interesting bringing a five-year-old to practice because he made through individual drills. As soon as they started scrimmaging, he started yelling at me to leave. I'm like, come on, buddy. It's, it's scrimmage time. Can we stay for five minutes at least? But, uh, no, it feels a lot more open to the former players now. I think, you know, with Heartline there, James there now, I think they're bringing a lot of the older guys back. Where that Tressier guys, once Urban came in, you didn't feel not that you weren't welcomed, you just weren't openly welcomed. They weren't sending invitations out and that kind of thing. And a lot of guys get pretty busy. If there's not an open invitation, it's kind of hard to set up your schedule to drop in. Right, right. Here's a question from Donald Hoffer the second. What is the hardest learning curve going from high school to college from a player perspective? Oof. Be a lot of things to be honest. As a player at, on the field, definitely is learning the speed of the game. Like I said earlier, off the field is okay. You're here. You got a little structure, but are you going to get your ass to class? Or are you going to get to the weight room? Are you going to do the things you need to do? There's no. It's way less structure than when you were in high school. You know, you went to class all day. Right after class, you had weights, or right after class, you had football. So it's preparing your body. Uh, that's the other thing is learn being with guys that know how to take care of their body. I think is another huge thing. Uh, I was privileged to live with like Bobby Carpenter and Doug Daddish guys that really took care of their body uh, well and try to take some of their things they were doing uh, because that's stuff we didn't do in high school, you know, and, you know, an ice bath can go a long ways for the next day practice. And these young guys don't realize that even though it sucks, get in it kind mm -hmm. of thing and make sure you rehab and do those kind of things your best legal story <laughs> <laughs> i got a couple it's coming a couple i'm not going to share without permission <laughs> i mean i met the guy in a recruiting visit yeah that's all i'm gonna say about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh and then he would show up at a, you know, he was married in college too. So was he you know, really? So I did not know that. When I was there, he was married or I believe. So we never got crazy slags a lot. But when crazy slags came out, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, he don't care. He would show up all, in the middle of winter at a bar with a cutoff flannel and gym shorts. and All and gas, no breaks, right? <laughs> he don't care. He's like this one wearing. I'm not changing. I'm not showering. I'm going to the bar. Oh my so, goodness. Oh, okay. Crazy, crazy Here, man. But, uh, yeah, a lot of the things, you know, around Schlegs, we'll, we'll keep that between us, but uh, he, he's great. He's a great dude. And this is I a, think any of the guys that he played with, he would run through a brick wall for. There you go. Yeah. He's, he's awesome, man. I, I, I love Schlegs. I love when he gets on the radio with Bobby Carpenter. This question's from my dear. Half the stuff he says. I'm sorry. What's that, he Steve? Goes, 
after if he drinks coffee, you're like, what the hell did he just say? I don't know where he was even going with that. Are you guys even on the same topic? Because I listen to that in the morning driving in sometimes when he's at 6 a.m. Yeah. I'm like, they're two on two different topics right now. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> it's great. This question's from my dear wife, Sarah Boggs. She says, how long before you get that sweet five-year-old of yours and helmet and pads? So I've, with my job, I, I get the privilege of working with incredible neurosurgeons every day. Uh, so talking to them, you probably don't, you know, they have their opinions. I have one guy who's incredible, uh, at Ohio state, he was a college rugby player. And he, he told me 13, 13, 13 is a good age, uh, junior high. That's when I started. Anthony Munoz was a friend of my brother. Uh, Mike Munoz was a friend of my brother and Anthony Munoz was friends with my dad. And he said the same thing, seventh grade, early as you need to start playing them. Uh, 13 with the neurosurgeons because the skull finally develops at 13. It's fully developed at 13. So Very insightful play, answer. There you go. There you go, how, Sam. You know, don't take that as clinical evidence. That's just one man's opinion. But uh, his opinion is a neurosurgeon, so I'll take it. There you go. This is coming from a guy who says we need more Ironton guys on the team. So, <laughs> hey, I got to... <laughs> the, the down south Ohio boys. They they're built different now. They are. They are. I I agree with that. I got two more questions for you, man. Uh, before we let you uh, get out of here, we really appreciate you joining the show tonight, Steve. Um, how is this offensive line? I guess you can relate it to your time. How? Do how does an offensive line develop chemistry? I know it takes time, but is there any any insights you can offer for us on that? I think the biggest thing is is hang out with each other, be around each other all the time. Nonverbal cues are huge, especially in those tough environments, uh, and just stacking good practices on top of that. I think you know. Your biggest critic is your other offensive linemen, and they're you're, we're ruthless individuals when it comes to like off the field to each other. But you have the trust that you know you're just joking around. Some things that get said, you're like, "Holy crap, you just said it to me." <laughs> you know, other another guy would probably get punched in the face. Uh, but I think just building that trust, and the one thing I have to see I haven't seen in a while is good fighting practice. I don't know if they do that anymore. I mean we would just start fights, just amp the amplitude and practice a little bit. And you, you know, you fight with one offensive lineman, you're fighting with all 15 of people on scholarship or all 18 of the guys or 20 of the guys that are in the offensive line room. You fight with one of us, you fight with any of us. A good fight every once in a practice builds a little cohesion too. Uh, hey, hey see you your back. You know, rip a guy's face mask off. You don't have to punch him in the face or anything. Just rip his face mask off. That leaves you pissing them off enough. So see. that, hang out with each other. I mean, we play golf with each other in the summer. Some of us, we would, and that, let me tell you, that was an ugly golf, golf round. <laughs> you have four, 300 pounders and two golf carts. Let's bless those golf carts. Hearts. <laughs> and sometimes we go to the clubhouse about a hole 13 because our cart was dead. <laughs> and you know, we ain't walking. So uh, doing those things and just really hanging out with each other. You know, I think the best groups of offense lines I was on, you would see all of us out together. Uh, or the majority of us out together uh, pretty much all year round, uh, just enjoying each other's company and finding, you know, not everyone can lift together, but make sure you're lifting with your group of guys. 
whoever that group of guys are and make sure it's inside your unit uh, and those kind of things, those little things you can do. Uh, but like I said, drink some beers together, I guess. Robert Allen says the O-line is the most important position. Yes or no? Do you agree? Uh, yeah, I think I think everyone on the team will probably say that, you know. Yeah. Uh, smartest guys on the team, too. There, that, that's too. that's uh, actually true, actually. I don't know about good looking, but definitely the smartest ones. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we don't do our job. Running backs can't run through holes. Um, quarterbacks can't throw passes. Wide receivers still think they can get open in the third a split a second, but they, they know. Uh, and they, that's one thing, even Hartline back in the day, he was one of the guys with Anthony and Ted. If he scored a touchdown, that guy went straight to the offensive line bench and, you know, came over and said, thanks guys. Thanks guys. Um, you, they know, they know, they won't admit it. They know though. Um, and then defense line, I think on the other side of the ball is most important. So. Famous, famous last question for you, Steve. This is what I ask, try to ask every Buckeye that I interview. What does it mean to Steve Raring to be a Buckeye? I mean, it means the role to me. It's opened many doors, uh, many doors that, you know, I may or might not have got through. Uh, it's put a, you know, nice job for my family, uh, doing those kind of things. Buckeye fans are crazy. I mean, I run into people that I'm like, who are you? I'm like, I think I'm, I'm up in Cleveland for work and they run to people like you, Steve. I'm like, yes. Uh, so Buckeye fans are crazy. If these kids realize it now they can network for the rest of their life. Uh, we didn't have NIL. We, we had just the degree in the, that had put football at Ohio state. And we looked at it as differently as the kids. Now it was a, it was a long-term NIL kind of thing for us. It was, I'm not paying college debt. I got a great job. I got a couple of good jobs out of college. Probably got younger than most would have got. And now set up for success down the road. So it's one of those things. If guys take it right, even nowadays, network, network, network is why I tell the young kids. Uh, because eventually, not for long, uh, ends. That's that mm-hmm. my call for NFL not for long. So it's one of those things you never know where your career is going to end or if it's ever going to get to there. So make sure while you're there network and get your degree and actually show up to class because that's Ohio state means the role to me. My wife knows don't watch games with me. I'm still screaming at the screen. I don't go to many because my kids are so young, but I do get my four hours alone because she can't stand watching games with me because I'm usually the one screaming at the screen and, and she doesn't understand why I'm screaming at the screen because I don't even watch the quarterback and wide receivers. I'm literally watching the offensive line in the whole game. I was going to ask that question, so I'm glad I'm glad you gave us that insight because usually yeah, I, I can't I, I can't stand watching games with average fans because you know they'll be blocking with five or empty backfield with five. They'll rush six and they're like the offensive line sucks. I'm like, yeah, that was on us. There's six guys rushing with five of us. Yeah, that's on us. So it's I I can't stand watching games and when people don't know football so i lose you end up watching most games like guys i played with or guys i know that know football real well because my wife will make those comments i'm like no that's not on us that's on the quarterback so but yeah back to that original question buckeye nation's incredible ohio state's incredible it's great me you know 
incredible things in my life. So I appreciate everything. And it's awesome to be on these podcasts and doing these kind of things because, I mean, fans are crazy. We are. We're nuts. It's nine days out and we're talking football. You know what I mean? Right. What other, what other team in the country is doing this right now? Not very many. Not very many. As 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 uh, Chris's uh, daughter likes to say, we're a cult. <laughs> Good I point. think she Good she point. might be onto something in there. She might be onto something there. So I Steve, just wish thank- I had an NIL deal with like some of these guys do now. I'm like, I know it's crazy. You drive by the wooden, you're like, look at the parking lot, like that's insane. What yeah. you seen in that parking lot, and you're like, that would have been nice. Yeah, no kid, uh, you would have been a suit. Cars that you need to jump every day. At the <laughs> <lot>. <laughs> four batteries. You would have been driving a big 350, wouldn't you? <sighs> Uh, yeah, probably back then I would have been. <laughs> I figured so. Especially if they're paying for the gas. <laughs> right? There you go. Steve Raring, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us, Steve. We really appreciate this, man. You are a joy. Uh, we'd love to have you come back on sometime. Sound good? Yeah, anytime. You have my contact anytime. Uh, and thanks to your wife. She did an incredible job. My son this year at uh, in Old Tainted School, so I appreciate it. I'm sure she's down there giving a big smile. Thank you so much, Steve. You have a good night. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, Steve. Appreciate that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. All right, everybody. That was Steve Raring, man. What a he could still play. Don't let him fool you about two plays. That man can at least play a quarter. He's a huge human being. He is a huge human being, Chris. And we're big guys, and he makes us look small. Yeah, he's. I think he played at what six five three fifteen something like uh, that. I think he's more. I think he was. I think he was taller than that. I think he was six seven. Six seven. Yeah, I think a big big boy. All right, we've got the rest of the show to get into, but before we do that, I want to go back up to the comments here real fast and throw out a couple couple shout-outs. David Gilmore says, hello from Syracuse, my first live show. David, thank you so much for showing yeah, up, bud. Hope welcome. that you've stuck around, man. Uh, my friend from church, Raymond Box, uh, uh, in the house tonight. Evening, guys. How's it going, Raymond? Good to, 
Good to have you tonight here as well. And the rest of you, good to have you guys here. All right, let's get into some of these discussions tonight. Of course, we want you to participate as well in our discussions tonight. Uh, so feel free to uh, post your comments with what we're talking about. Let's do this first, Chris. A reaction video. We've got another one, our third in as many weeks. This one it comes from Ohio State. They dropped a 10-minute video of James Laurinaitis interviewing Steel Chambers. And they have the following discussion. And so I'm going to play this reaction. I'm going to play this video, Chris, and then we're going to react to it. What is your Mount Rushmore when you think about the linebackers that have played here at Ohio State? Uh, a lot to choose from. Uh, I'll go with you. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that, that's, that's a pretty easy one to start. Whenever they said that you took the job, uh, they read all of your accolades, and it was uh, pretty ridiculous. So. You were, you were doing pretty good while you were here. Uh, I'll go with uh, Tom Cousineau. Yeah. If that's if I pronounced it right. Yeah, Coos. Uh, yeah, number one overall pick, so he was doing something right while he was, he was doing, here. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, I'll go with Shazier. I feel like he kind of modernized the position. He was really sideline to sideline. Not the biggest guy, but, I mean, he could still thump you. No doubt. And then uh, just recency bias, I'll go with uh, Tommy. Tommy. Yeah, Tom, Put Tommy I mean, yeah, on I mean, the I, I live with the guy, so, I mean, I have to. I oh, mean, my god. Playing next to him is uh, fun as hell. It's just a great time being yeah. around him. So, yeah, I'll, I'll put him up there. That's awesome. Well, for one, I'm humbled that you would include me on there. You know, for me, it's funny is I have coups on mine as well. It was tough. I wrestled with Shazier because I believe that you're absolutely right. Like Ryan, if you're going to mold a linebacker for today's game, even still, Ryan's ability to go sideline to sideline was, was pretty special. I'm going to go with Gratishar. So I have coups, Randy Gratishar. Now, when Woody Hayes calls you the best linebacker he ever coached that's and what he has got to mean something <laughs> yeah, right and so something. he was an all pro with the broncos and just an absolute legend and then i'm going with spielman it's funny like when you play at ohio state the problem is is that like there are names of guys that you're like where do we put them and you don't want to offend anybody and be like well you're not on the list but like spiels to me is on it and then the last one and this is probably a bias like you have a bias with tommy because you play with them but it's aj hawk He's one of my honorable uh, Yeah, and so AJ, you can put AJ on yours instead of me. You can take me off and put AJ on there. I'll but gladly do that. <laughs> so those are my four. So Kuz, Gratishar, Spielman, Hawk. What is your Mount Rushmore when you think about the linebackers that have played here at Ohio State? I want you uh, guys to put your Mount Rushmore of Ohio State linebackers in the comments section here. Type those up real fast. Who got it right? Who got it wrong? What's your What's your Mount Rushmore? Uh, who are your Mount, Mount Rushmore of Ohio State linebackers? So your top four OSU linebackers of all time. Chris, your reaction to this video. Well, I think they both were somewhat on point. Uh, you know, obviously, I think Kuzno should have been there, and they both had Kuzno. Uh, You know, I, I like the fact that uh, I couldn't believe the Steel Chambers left Spielman off the list. Uh, you know, I think you've got to put that guy in there anytime you're talking about linebackers at Ohio State. Uh, and then, you know, I, I think that you have – my next three would have been guys they both mentioned. I'm not sure which two I would choose, and I, I would have had Shazier, Laurinaitis, and uh, A.J. Hawk in that discussion for that last those last two spots. Um, myself, I probably would have went Shazier and Laurinaitis. Uh, the reason I left uh, Gratisher off the list is – while he was great, don't get me wrong, he was great in his era. I really feel like in that era, it was more linebackers were simply run stoppers. Whereas in today's game, they do so much more 
with the blitzes, the pass coverage, the, you know, just so many different things they do. They have to be more athletic as far as being able to get side to side on the field. You, you know, Gratisher was great in his time, but I really feel like today's linebackers are just more complete players. It's really, I mean, you know, I thought Steele's answer was interesting because he's about half our age. Yeah. So we have an entire generation before him to pull from, which I think is why he left AJ Hawk off because he was really young when AJ played. But he, um, but he played Warren Artisan. He did, but that I mean that. Who's he talking to? Well, I get that. <laughs> and I get that that's his position, coach. And- yeah. I would say that. I would say that. That the fact that they had he had Ryan Shazier on his list is probably the guy he looked up to as a kid. Yeah, you know that I who he kind of emulated, um, and you know Laurinaitis gave Shazier his credit there by saying he was that first kind of sideline to sideline hybrid fast linebacker that you you kind of have to have to play now. Um, Tommy Tommy two thumbs or Tommy no thumbs. <laughs> as Jim Knowles called him. Uh, he's a throwback, man. He is. He reminds me a lot of that Spielman top type of linebacker. Mm-hmm. So Robert Allen says Spielberg, uh, Spielberg, Spielman, that's what I think he meant. Laurinaitis, AJ Hawk, and C. Who do you, who's C? Cousino, maybe. Cousino, okay. Um, uh, here's one. Uh, Facebook user says the big K, yeah, the probably big the big cat, cat yeah. Moyer, right? Hatson Warriors freshman year was unbelievable. Yes. But after that, it kind of fell off a yeah. little bit. A little more pedestrian. Um, where some of those other guys had bigger years later in their career. Uh, Larry Daniels has Cousineau, Spielman, Shazier, and Hawk. But agree with Chris on the mobility of today's linebackers versus old school hole pluggers. Yeah, the game's just different. I mean, yeah. more, more most offenses are are three wide, four wide, shotgun, you know, throw the football offenses, and they don't run. It's you know they don't run the football with a fullback. You know, like well, Steve I, I was mean, talking just, about. Just look at the difference. I mean, obviously today's game is completely different, but even in the eras, you know, maybe when you were watching versus when I was watching. I grew up on the guys like Spielman and Pepper Johnson and these guys. I was going to bring Pepper Johnson up. He wasn't even mentioned in that video. And dude yeah. was a dude was a stud. Yeah. Um, I wrote some names down. Um, Katzenmoyer was one name I wrote down that we I thought deserved at least a mention. Pepper Johnson. And then here's another one. Marcus Merrick. Yeah. Dude's got some huge statistics. Different era. So uh, Donald Hoffer says, that's a loaded question. Don't you think <laughs> you can't tell James that he is not on the Mount Rushmore? <laughs> True. Uh, Spielman, Little Animal, A.J. Hawk, Bobby Carpenter. Uh, his hair should be on Mount Rushmore yeah. somebody. Give, give Bobby Carpenter's hair to A.J. Hawk. There you go. There, there's uh, one thing I will always remember about Bobby Carpenter. He's the guy who got ejected. For kicking a Wisconsin player in the head. Yes, this is true. <laughs> this is true. Um, all right, real quick, my route, must, my Mount Rushmore of linebackers before we move on. Now, 
I'm going to be very um, specific in that. I can't go back and judge Cousineau. Um, I can't. I I don't have a memory in my lifetime of seeing them play. All I got is the statistics. But for me in my lifetime, I would say number one was AJ Hawk. He's my he's my all time favorite Buckeye uh, next to my cousin Ryan Miller. And as much as I love Ryan Miller, he's not on the Mount Rushmore. But uh, and he would even agree. I don't. I'm not on the Mount Rushmore. But AJ Hawk. Um, I'm going to go uh, with the little animal, James Laurinaitis, and just incredibly good. I'm going to go with Chris Spielman. And even though I was really little when he played, just the impact he made on me as a Buckeye fan growing up uh, with his work in the radio and going back and watching highlights and things, I got to have Spielman on there. And then uh, I'm going to put Andy Katzenmoyer as my fourth one because there was never – a player coming out of high school with the kind of build and expectation he had. They brought they brought the number 45 out of retirement for this guy. It's kind of like the equivalent of LeBron James in basketball. Yes, it was. That, that was he, very much the hype surrounding that. That's a very that's a very good explanation. Robert says Tommy Two Thumbs is great. And then he says his phone's cutting out. That's probably what the the comment about the C was. And he also says Bobby Carpenter is on there for pure character. Uh, if you're going to do character, oh, it's Schle- if you're going to do character, it's Schlegs, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul Buckeye, he, his is Spielman, Hawk, Laurinaitis, and Gratishar. All right, Chris, what's yours, man? I, I've, I've got to go. And, and again, may, maybe it's because I am a little, I'm going Cousineau. I'm keeping Cousineau on there. Okay. Uh, Spielman. Laurinaitis and Shazier. I mean, I loved AJ Hawk. Don't get me wrong. Loved Bobby Carpenter. Like you said, the hair on those boys w- was worth the, the the price of admission alone. But uh, no, I, I just feel like Shazier was th- that first of the new breed linebacker. Laurinaitis was a bit of a throwback to Spielman, and I think Spielman. For me, I'm going to put Spielman as my number one of all time as far as the linebackers in Ohio State. Yeah. I mean, uh, A.J. Hawk for me is my favorite, but I have to agree with you on Spielman. Um, awesome discussion, guys. Uh, thank you so much for partici- participating in that. Let's get back to offensive linemen now, Chris. So we did the top 10 quarterbacks a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And you you relayed that discussion, and I commented on it. We're going to flip-flop now. We're going to talk about offensive linemen today. I'm going to give you my top 10 Big 10 offensive lineman heading into 2023 season and let you respond to that. Let's go through 10 through six first, and then I'll let you chime in and then we'll do our top five. Now, here's the thing, guys. I want to prep everybody on this. It's going to be difficult to swallow. And this is where I've got to take off my scarlet and gray colored glasses. And I got to be honest with you here. Okay. So here we go. Number 10 for me, let's go with Quinn Carroll, Minnesota Golden Gopher offensive lineman, 6'6", 310 pounds. He's a junior. He started his collegiate career with Notre Dame. He transferred back to his home state of Minnesota. He will be a second-year starter, and he is considered a a preseason second-team offensive lineman by most of the magazines for the Big Ten, Big Ten preseason 
I guess not all American, but Big Ten uh, second teamer preseason. Uh, huge man. Of he's a he's a mover as far as the defensive line. He's going to give Minnesota a good chance to run the football again, and he's Minnesota's best offensive lineman. Number nine, going with Matthew Jones, Ohio State right guard. I think is where he plays. 6'4", 312 pounds. He'll be a super senior this year, meaning he was a senior last year. He gets a COVID year. He came back. He will be a three-year starter. He's not gotten any honors as far as any accolades for his play on the field, but he is also a preseason second team All-Big Ten by Athlon Sports, uh, their their magazine. So, um, and he, and he, just like Steve said, he's, he was impressed by our interior offensive lineman. Matthew Jones is one of those guys. Let's go over to West Lafayette for number eight, Gus Hartwig, six, five, 310 pounds senior as well. This will be his fourth year starting for the Boilermakers four-year starter offensive lineman. He was a 2022 honorable mention Big Ten offensive lineman and is expected to be the best offensive lineman for Purdue this season. Steve uh, also talked about how big the boys were in Wisconsin. They've got another one, Jack Nelson. He's 6'7", 310-pound junior. He was a he has been a two-time Big Ten honorable mention as a freshman and sophomore. Now he enters his junior year. And uh, he's obviously the best lineman for Luke Fickle uh, and the Badgers in Wisconsin. And then number six, Chris, Isaiah Adams from Illinois, 6'5", 315-pound senior. He was a third-team Big Ten offensive lineman last year as a junior in 2022. And he's Illinois' best offensive, line heading into, offensive lineman heading into this year's season. So again, 10 through 6, Quinn Carroll from Minnesota, Matthew Jones from Ohio State, Gus Hartwig from Purdue, Jack Nelson from Minnesota, from Wisconsin, and Isaiah Adams from Illinois. Chris, your thoughts on my 6 through 10 offensive lineman in the Big Ten? Well, we were actually pretty close, Eric. I had one different one in there than what you did. Um, but I had actually the Darius Henderson, the okay. offensive tackle from uh, that team up north in there at my 10 spot. I had Hartwig at nine. I had Matthew Jones at eight. Uh, I had Isaiah Adams at seven and Nelson at six. So who did you have off the list? Uh, the kid from um, the first, your number 10. Um, from oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of, I just kind of felt like I needed to put someone from Minnesota in there, given how well they've done running the football in the past. And he's, he's, the, he's their best offensive lineman. And, you know, with a new quarterback and things, I think they might be run-heavy offense this year, the Golden Gophers. So we might, you know, just kind of felt like I could I, – and I couldn't put a fourth Wolverine on there. I couldn't swallow that. Uh, you know what, though? They it's are, about to get ugly. They, they are one of the top offensive lines in the country for a reason, Eric. And, you know, I, I didn't like it, but I think I had to do it. Here we go. Five through one. Number five from that team up north, Drake Nugent. 6'1", 300-pound senior. He's a two-time Pac-12 honorable mention at Stanford. Transferred over to the team up north and uh, after playing four years at Stanford. So he's got a, another year of eligibility. And he was the top offensive lineman in the transfer portal when he decided that he was going to finish his career in Ann Arbor. 
Number four for me, also up there in Ann Arbor, Trevor Keegan, 6'6", 305-pound senior. He was a first-team All-Big Ten in last year in 2022 as a junior, and he came back for his senior year. He could have went to the NFL, and he would have been drafted, but he's coming back. Number three for me, Donovan Jackson, Ohio State, 6'4", 312-pound junior uh, guard. Last year, he was also a first-team All-Big Ten offensive lineman in 2022, and he anchors our offensive line this season, and he is projected to be a first- or second-day draft pick in the NFL after this year. All right, Chris, here we go. This, As you all know, we are uncultured swine here. I'm going to try my best. At number two is Olu Fashunu Fashanu. Did I get that right, Chris? It's Olu Fashanu. Olu Fashanu from Penn State. Okay. Uh, 6'6", 323-pound junior. How did we not get this guy? I mean, we. I thought Ryan Day cornered the market on, on our Polynesian friends. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Michigan State, they seem to get a few of them too. Yeah, um, he's a junior this year. He was a second-team All-Big Ten, and he was also second-team All-American last year as a sophomore. So a lot of people think he's the best offensive lineman as far as upside for the NFL in the Big Ten, which might be true. But I'm going to have to give the number one spot to the man who I hate the most, Zach Zenter from that team up north. 6'6", 315-pound senior. He was second-team All-Big Ten last year in 20 – or excuse me, second-team All-Big Ten as a sophomore in 2021. First-team All-Big Ten last year as a junior in 2022. Again, could have went to the NFL, been drafted, decides to come back again – and this guy is—he's a stud. I mean, I don't know how else to put it, dude. He's—he's he's the one of the best, if not the best, offensive lineman in the Big Ten. Gosh, I'm sick. I, it, it makes me sick to my stomach, Chris. They got three. You have four of them. Four offensive linemen in in the in the Big Ten. Our top ten in the Big Ten. And here's the deal, guys. I'm not—I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I'm worried that our offensive line is not as good as it has been in the past. And the stinking team up north who's beat us two years in a row has some of the best starters, not only in this conference, but in the nation. And you win in the trenches. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. You know, and, and uh, you know, just going over the top five again, I also had Nugent at five. I also had Keegan at four and, and Jackson at three. Um, I think you were right on point there. Now, I actually did have Zach Sentner at two. Um, I do believe the upside is better for Sh- for uh, for Shuna or for Shanu rather. I think that he has actually better footwork and balance. And honestly, I've seen times where it seems to me like Zach Sentner. I don't want to say he gets a little lazy, but he can get a little lazy at times. You know, not finishing off plays. I think that. He's not the most agile or quickest player in the world either, which, again, that's going to be something that's that's going to translate more in the NFL versus what it is in college because he is obviously, along with these other guys, the perfect fit for Harbaugh's type of offense. Uh, you know, he wants to ground and pound. That's what he wants to do, and he's got the right guys to do it. Um, 
but I, I really feel like I think Fashanu uh, is a little bit better with his his, his uh, feet. I think he has a little bit better hand placement. And honestly, I just feel like he has the most upside of any of the of the linemen out there. So that's why I've got him a one. But I mean, I can see your argument. I can. But you know, and maybe there was a little bit of me that just couldn't put four players. Four players on the list was bad enough. Putting one of them at one just would have killed me. Yeah, uh, it, it, <laughs> it it's it kills me. Yeah, because I I I am a firm believer that you win football games in the trenches. And and here's something that's funny though, Eric. Do you realize he's not even one of the top two rated players according to the NFL? He's the third best offensive lineman in the Big Ten, according to what NFL scouts are, are predicting as far as their ratings. Right now, he's behind Fashanu at one and Donovan Jackson at two. I I get it. it but I'm not – my list isn't based on projections right, in the NFL. Right, it's exactly. based on, who, you know, who I think is the best in college football today, and he's got the, he's got the accolades. Joel Klatt said this, uh, and, and this is going to, I think, prove my point. And I believe I believe this is to be true. Ohio State is built to win national championships. That team up north is built to beat Ohio State. Yes, that's exactly right. And you can't you can't argue against that statement with given the results the last two years. Ohio State had Georgia beat. We were a field goal away from going on and winning a national championship. And we got blown out in our own house by that team up north. Yeah. Now they're not a nat- they're not built to win national championships, yeah. but they're built to kick our butts. And it's it's yeah. and you know where you see that the most in that list we just made right there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Larry Daniels asks a question. This is off topic, but we're gonna take it. And then guess what? I Chris, can you can you go another 10, 15 minutes? Yeah. Let's go to overtime. We're gonna do some overtime for you all tonight. Okay. We try not we try not to do this, but I'm feeling I'm feeling like we gotta get this other topic in. Larry Daniels says thoughts on former NFL coach uh, Philbin uh, being signed as an offensive line advisor consultant. I think it's a great ad. Chris, your thoughts? I agree. I think it's a it's a tremendous ad, and I think it wasn't just to help with the offensive line. I think it was to help uh, Brian Hartline with his transition to offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, they have a history. Uh, Heartline was in Miami at the same time that uh, Feldman was. So I, I think it was a tremendous pickup for Ohio State to do this. I think it's going to help the offensive line, but more importantly, I think it's going to help Brian Hartline in his transition. Yeah, I think that's kind of what we discussed the other night when we talked about Brian Hartline. Um, I, I agree with you 100%. I think it's to help him as a play caller transition. And I think it also helps with that offensive line because he was in the NFL. Uh, and that's what he ta- uh, coached and taught in the NFL. Um, I want to say this real fast. If you if you guys don't check out our YouTube page, well, first off, if you haven't already, give us a thumbs up. Uh, it really does help. So give us a thumbs up, a like. And if you're not subscribed already, by by all means, what are you, what are you waiting on? Subscribe, ring the bell, get notified every time we drop a new video. And Chris, Chris and I, we recorded a whole extra hour of content this past week. Um, and the uh, three of those uh, um, episodes or three of those segments have already dropped on our YouTube page. 
And there's a fourth one where I go all John Kennedy <laughs> on a topic. You got, you and, got a little crazy. I and, tried uh, to stay reserved. <laughs> you tried, but then you came right along with me. I'm a bad influence on you, Chris. Uh, where we talk about one Kirk Herbstreet. So um, that's going to drop sometime this week. Of course, the segments from this. But I want to go ahead and go do an extra little overtime. So you're welcome, Larry. We're going to go ahead and do a little over, uh, extra overtime talk. One more topic that I got to cover tonight. And it's this one, Chris. This past week, there were five new schools that uh, submitted and were accepted to join the AAU, which obviously is a is a research, it's a group, a conglomerate of colleges that uh, are that benefit from one another financially in research. Now, the reason why this is a big deal is in order, it's been this way in the Big Ten for years. In order to be accepted as a new Big Ten school, they wanted you to be an AAU school. And Nebraska was, they're, they're the only team in the Big Ten that's not currently, but they were when they joined. They lost AAU status, which is incredibly embarrassing, I might add, as a, as a school. But you have to have certain standards uh, academically and in, in the field of research to better society to get that extra funding to be an AAU school. And then they partner with one another and share research with one another to to better everybody's lives it's actually a really cool thing well five new schools three of them are big 10 power schools not big 10 but big time power schools yes two of them are very interesting the third one we'll see but notre dame and the u miami both became aau schools chris your thoughts on this? Well, you know, I, I've heard the argument that it's not a big deal as far as Notre Dame goes because Notre Dame's had an open invitation to join the Big Ten for several years now. I, I think there's more to it than that. I really do. I feel like, and we've heard rumors about Miami. I don't think we thought there was anything to the rumors. You know, this kind of piques my curiosity a little bit. I really feel like we've talked about the ACC falling apart. And I really feel like these teams could be poising themselves to, to uh, at least begin discussions with the Big Ten. I feel like, I think it's inevitable for a Notre Dame to become a member of the Big Ten. I, I really, I give it less than five years. I think I think it's something that's been becoming inevitable that they were going to have to join a conference, and with the direction the ACC is going, I think that the Big Ten is the logical conference for them to join. I don't see them joining up with the Hillbilly Athletic Conference down south. Um, so yeah, I, I think that this is this is some some posturing, some getting in the position to make your run make your case for being accepted to the big 10. And I think it's a huge thing with Miami. Uh, I, you know, Miami and Notre Dame, they've got some history. USC and Notre Dame, they've got some history. Um, I, I think that this is definitely a play to get their ducks in a row 
to become members of the Big Ten Conference. So, well, when you say ducks in a row, I can't go without putting this comment since she brought it up. Donald Hoffer says, I mean, if it looks if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, and moves like a duck, then it's probably a duck. These teams are setting the conditions to get into the Big Ten. By the way, the Ducks, they're already an AAU school, Oregon. Yep. So, <laughs> so is Washington, by the way. And now another Pac-12 school in Arizona State. So the Satanists yes. are also um, – looking to join an AAU as well. Doesn't mean they're coming in the Big Ten, but what market is Arizona State in? That would be Phoenix market. Um, You know the Big Ten, when it comes to television, wants big markets. Why? means more money, more eyeballs. I, I don't know. I have talked to so many people from Arizona who are Ohio State fans. We get them in the store all the time. At least once a month, we will get a group of people in from Arizona. We had six people in from Arizona yesterday. It is a huge Ohio State market. I didn't realize how much until I started working out here at the store and saw all these people from Arizona coming in all the time. Uh, it, It would be a logical move to get that Phoenix market and, and you know we 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 usually like going out there and playing in Phoenix. It's uh we've had some good history out there. So mm-hmm. uh, or out in Tempe to be more specific, but which uh, is which is Phoenix? I mean they're Phoenix. they're like that. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> yeah, that would not surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, we've talked about it in the past, Eric. The the, the two super conferences are coming. Yep, and I think. I think these teams are just getting themselves getting, like I said, they're ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. I, I would predict within the next few years, we're going to see a 20 team big 10. Yeah. Uh, Larry Daniels says how much more room in the big 10 boat before throwing some little fish out. They're not going to no. the only, the only school that might get a see you later. And it might be on their own accord would Nebraska. be Nebraska simply yeah. because they're no longer an AAU school. And I think that fan base is kind of like seeing the Big 12 and seeing what the old Big 12 kind of coming back together minus Oklahoma and Texas. And I feel like they're kind of missing home a and, little bit. And let's face it, Lincoln isn't the TV market we're after either. No, you it's know, not. I've heard people say, well, what about Rutgers? What about Maryland? Well, you know what? You're not going to throw out the D.C. TV market. Rutgers is in Jersey right outside. You know, it's, it's New a York. stone's throw mm-hmm. from New York. You're not going to get rid of them. No, I mean, it's like you said, Nebraska may pull out of the Big Ten. I don't see us throwing them out. Right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it. we are going to be a 20-team conference. I think we'll have everybody intact. Like you said, maybe Nebraska leaves, which might leave you know room for somebody else to slide in, you know? Yep. Uh, Paul Buck, I get the feeling that college football is forming into a mini NFL. Yeah, Absolutely. there's going to be – there's going to be two power conferences, just like the AFC and NFC. It's yeah. what it's going to, you know, and there might be a third-ish one in the Big 12 after the Pac-12 and ACC disband, and that's what's going to happen eventually. It might take a decade to get there, given the ACC contracts, but that's what we're moving towards in the next decade or so. Uh, Donald Hoffer, what about Colorado? 
I would love to see the Buffs in the Big Ten. I, I think they have one of the coolest mascots, and they definitely have one of the coolest coaches now. Oh, yeah. But, but that's not going to happen. Boulder is not a big TV market. They're not a big college um, as far as history is concerned. I mean, they had they had a good team with, like, you know, what was that, Rashawn Salam Cordell and Stewart, Cordell Tom Stewart. Tom. Yeah, uh, ask the Michael team up north uh, about them. <laughs> wow, what was the, the receiver? I can't think of his name. That might yeah. go something or other. The, in the nineties, they had the a, Redskins. Yeah, yeah, they had the a Hail good Mary. run in the yeah, they had a good run in the nineties. But I just, I and again, I think they're going back to the Big Twelve, which is why I think Nebraska kind of gets that homey feeling because they had a nice little rivalry with Colorado back in the day in the nineties. Um, I think they will go back to a Big Twelve with Nebraska. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I just you just answered your question. Um, for yourself there, just like I, we're on the same wavelength, Donald. Um, so here's what's going on in, in conclusion, guys. So I don't believe that Nebraska, I'm sorry, that um, Notre Dame and Miami are begging at the feet of the Big Ten like two other schools currently are. Yeah. And I have heard from multiple sources that Washington and Oregon are just saying, please, 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 please let us in. Eventually, they're going to have to put more West Coast schools into the Big Ten because of traveling yeah. issues that UCLA and USC have. It's not an issue to go out West one game a year if you're from the Midwest or even from the East Coast. But for them to come from the West Coast to the Midwest or to the East Coast four or five times a year is an issue for USC and UCLA. The travel costs alone involved in that outside of football, I'm talking all your other sports, is astronomical. Well, and you know, and, USC would do it at least five times because they're going to have their four Big Ten away games and that Notre Dame game, at least once every other year, you know they're not giving that up. So there's a – I think that there was kind of a wink, wink, nod, nod, he, he, Kevin Warren agreement with without, you know, ink to paper, which is, you know, something he does apparently, that we're going to bring more West Coast schools in for you guys. But this would be the first hat that would need to be dropped. And USC and UCLA were willing to drop that hat. Now, the rumor I'm hearing is that when Oregon and Washington come in, they don't get as big of a pie as the other schools. But they're willing to still take the deal because it'll be double what they were going to get in the Pac-12 or Big 12. And right. by the way, they're two, those two schools haven't got an invitation to the Big 12. Yeah. Now, Arizona State has. Arizona, Arizona State, they, they've both been invited to the Big 12, Colorado. Um, I think Arizona's a shoe-in. I think Colorado's a shoe-in. Arizona State is interesting to me. I think Arizona State will be like, who wants us? Big 12? Big 10? Who's going to give us the most money? Who's going to give us the most money? And that's another West Coast school that now you can put in that pie. And as you as you have you've heard people talk, they've talked about when we go to 20 teams, there being four quads of five teams. Yes. That would be five West Coast teams in yep. one quad. That takes care of the scheduling problem. Now, is that fifth team going to be 
Arizona State or Stanford. That depends on the team from Indiana. Yep. If Notre Dame comes, you watch. They'll take Stanford, Stanford. who's already an AAU school. If Notre Dame doesn't come along, don't be surprised if they pick up Arizona State as that fifth West Coast team. That also means they've got room then, if Notre Dame doesn't come along, to go down to Miami now and invite the Hurricanes onto the Big Ten. And Miami is another huge television market. Huge. So that this is all dominoes that you're seeing fall over. Now, my, my Notre Dame people, John Kennedy and them, their theory behind this is that Notre Dame felt the need to do this because of two reasons. Number one, they are research school first and foremost, and they should have been in the AAU already. It's a great school academically. It's Actually, just, yeah. it is. Number two, if the ACC falls apart and they have to join a conference because they just realize that financially staying independent does not offer them the same abilities as your other Big Ten and SEC schools, and they feel like in order to keep up, they're going to have to join a conference, then they want to be ready with everything in place to go to the Big Ten. They don't want to. They want to stay independent. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to this. Do they have enough money to stay relevant to compete with the Ohio States, the Penn States, the team up north, the the USC's, the SEC schools. If they don't, they're going to have to let go of that independence. And they yeah. love their independence. They love their independence. Frank says um, he's going with Miami, uh, Notre Dame, UNC. UNC is interesting to me. Um. They just don't offer a, a historical football power. Now they bring they bring the heat in basketball, but this is all about football for the Big Ten. But but you know what? They have been a little more relevant relevant the last few years. Not yeah, great, but not great. But they've they've at least been relevant. I think UNC makes a makes a lot of sense, but so does Virginia. You know, yeah. I I just feel like. Like the next, it all depends at the end of the day, I think about who brings in the most money, because if you could say, Hey, if we can get Miami to join oh, you and, that. Yeah. and that, that money goes even up even more television rights than all the schools get more money. You've got to take it. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. plus, I mean, who doesn't want to see Catholics versus convicts every year? Like I said, man. Right. Uh, plus, how about Miami USC? That'd be yeah. a great game, man. I mean, there's just yeah. so many great games that can be made out of this. And to, as a fan, I'm a traditionalist, Chris. You're a traditionalist. But when it comes to seeing great football, I'm all for it, man. Yeah. I'm all for it. Uh, he says, you, uh, David Gilmore says, UNC makes sense academically. They are part of the Golden Triangle. What is the golden triangle? Do you know what that is, Chris? David, tell me what the David what the golden triangle is here. I'm I'm, I'm unfamiliar. Um, 
I know they're part of the Bible Belt, but I've never heard of Golden Triangle. Um, that that interests me. I've never heard that before. Uh, yeah, UNC is a good school academically, uh, yes. unless you play basketball and then you don't have to go to class. Well, they was that a, they, was that a dig they, at the target? They, a little bit. They ain't here to play school. They, that, that's true. <laughs> that's true. They're here to win national championships on the hardwood, right? Uh, oh, the golden the golden triangles, UNC, NC State, and Duke. He says, "Okay, Tobacco Road." There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, um, yeah. That's 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 some that's some good basketball right there. That's what that is. Yeah, I I I really struggle with the idea of UNC and Duke no longer being the same conference. Boy, but you know what? I bet you could still sell UNC Indiana basketball tickets all day long, oh, based on history. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, 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 it's just interesting to talk about as these dominoes fall, but that news coming down and it was so quiet too. It was kind of like, yeah, like we're AAU school now. It's like, uh, okay. I see what you're doing there. I see what you're doing there. Uh, let's see. Frank says Carolina's big TV market, Charlotte. Ah, they are. That's true. Charlotte, Charlotte yeah. only thinking behind that one. Um, I can get behind it. I mean, if it comes down to UNC versus Arizona State, you know I'm going to say UNC or Stanford. Yeah. Um, I would be. I would probably even pick UNC over Washington, to be honest with you. Although I've I've heard Seattle's just gorgeous. The state of Washington's beautiful. Um, so that would be a cool trip to take one day. But Oregon definitely, I think, is the next. And here's the other thing I heard this week. And this will be how I close. Chris, we'll let you chime in one more last time. We've gone into double overtime now. Um, the next thing, the shoot of fall, will be the Big 12, not, or excuse me, the Pac-12 not having a case in court for the remaining schools. And you will see some of them flip to the Big 12, make announcements that they're going to the Big 12. And when they do, you will then hear that Oregon and Washington have, have been accepted by the Big Ten as, as future members with partial payments. They will not be paid the same as the other Big Ten schools throughout the remainder of the contract. They will accept partial payment, but it will still be more than anything the Big 12 was offering those schools. Yeah, and so I can see that. <clears throat> That that's the next shoe to fall, whether that's this off season or sometime in the future here within the next year or so. But that's the rumor we're hearing is the big 12 is going to gobble up a couple pac 12 schools, Oregon and Washington will be next. And that'll be given as a present to thanking USC and UCLA. So that's the rumor we're hearing. All right, that's the buzzer I hear. It's bedtime, buddy. We've stayed up way too late talking about this stuff. I appreciate uh, Steve Rearing coming in and being our special guest tonight. All of the great comments we've got and feedback. Please tell your friends and family, man, we keep growing. We keep getting more, more and more people uh, chiming in on our live shows. Every Sunday night at 8 o'clock, we are here. Aaron is back in Ohio, everybody. Yeah, Aaron made it back to Ohio. He made it through his five years in the Army. I'm going to actually go uh, uh, see him next Sunday. So before we record, I'm going to see Aaron and get to meet his 
little ones. I haven't even met his two little boys yet. And his littlest one turns one, and they're having a birthday party. And he said, Boggs, why don't you come on down? I said, we will be there, brother. Looking forward to seeing my friend Aaron, seeing those kids. And hopefully he will be back on the podcast very soon. He's got to finish up his degree. Uh, he's working on getting his degree. And then uh, we'll see what he's uh um, going to be doing after that well, this football season. I know he's going to do some stuff with us. Larry says amazing marathon session. Have a great, great week and welcome back Aaron. Thank you, Larry. Alright guys, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and seeing Carmen Ohio with all your heart. Until next time, Chris. OH. I owe. Go Bucks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.